Hello, everyone. Where do we find hope in today's turbulent times? How do we prepare for an election season as divisive as any in history? Well, for hope and inspiration, we turn to a quote we love from Margaret Mead, who says, "Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world." Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Boom Goddess Radio. This is Bibi Peters, and I'm here with Dr. Andrea Gould Marks and Jennifer Davis Page. During this first episode, we'll be talking about our right to vote, making your voice heard. And possibly taking a turn at running for office yourself. You'll hear from our guest why that's never too late.、Mm-hmm. Our guest is a professional candidate maker, and during part two, we'll talk with our guest and with a woman who's eager to enter the political arena at precisely this time. And we'll have a slew of unique questions. For our candidate maker guest, but before we introduce you to our amazing guest, let's take a quick look at what has occurred historically to give us the privilege and the right to vote. And for that, we turn to our very own historian reporter, Jennifer Davis Page. Uh, thank you, BB. I just want to talk about the Nineteenth Amendment and what it means to us. The Nineteenth Amendment was passed by Congress on June fourth, nineteen nineteen, and ratified on August eighteenth, nineteen twenty. The Nineteenth Amendment granted American women the right to vote. The amendment passed after the agreement of three fourths of the states, changing the face of the American electorate forever. Black women. Would wait nearly five decades more to actually exercise that right in the Voting Rights Act of 1965. This act is considered to be the most effective piece of federal civil rights legislation ever enacted in the country. Twenty years after the ratification of the 19th Amendment, Chinese American immigrants became eligible for citizenship and thus won the right to vote. Native Americans were not made citizens until 1924. In some states, Native Americans were considered wards of the state. They were not guaranteed the right to vote until the passage of the 1965 Voting Rights Act. As of August 25th, 2020, two Native American women now sit in Congress:、uh, Representative Deb Haaland from New Mexico and Representative Sharice Davids. From Kansas, as of August twenty fifth, twenty twenty, there were one hundred women. Yay, one hundred women in the U.S. House of Representatives and four female territorial delegates: Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Guam. And, and isn't D.C. part of that? And、uh, yes, absolutely.、Uh, thank you, Andrea, and the District of Columbia, making women twenty three point two percent of the total U.S. representatives. There have been 47 African American women who have served in Congress, 13 Asian Pacific American women, 20 Hispanic American women. Carol Mosley Brown of Illinois was the first woman of color nominated to the Senate in 1992, and I had the privilege of voting for her. 
Senator Kamala Harris of California was the second, and Maisie K. Hirano of Hawaii is the only woman of color elected to both. So that's a little history of, of the 19th Amendment and women in politics. And here we are today, and we're at 2020, a most unusual year, and we have a fabulous gift as a guest. And this is a woman, Marla Mott-Smith, who has experienced the very history, not all the way back to the, you know, the beginning of time, but the very history that Jennifer has outlined the statistics of. And so we are gifted to have Marla Lamont here, Marla Lamont Smith, because she's a very experienced person who is an entrepreneur. There's almost no facet of life that her talents haven't touched and a unique combination of leadership, business, marketing, public speaking, organization planning, community relations, just to name a few, and fundraising, just to name a few. And so here's an interesting fact. She herself was a candidate in Utah and it was a wonderful experience, learning experience, you can tell because at some point, a critical turning point, she knew that the best thing to do was to withdraw from the race and get her other person elected. And it was close. And so therein was born her ability to support campaigns beyond herself. So just imagine that reach for a moment. And then on a more familiar level, Mother to three, stepmother to five, 12 grandchildren, great grandchildren, and all diverse. There is every race represented in, <laughs> in that mix. And how karmically fortunate um, for this woman. And then on top of everything, when she was 62, she backpacked the John Muir Trail with one of her three husbands. Went different, oh yeah, from Utah. One of her three husbands when she was <laughs> She is the founder and CEO of Candidate Accountability Programs. And I don't want to say how old she is, but it's the opposite numbers of 28. An amazing, beautiful woman that we can see. Yes. And you might be able to see in pictures. Welcome, Marla. Thank you so much. What a nice introduction. Uh, as far as the history of women in politics, there were areas where I wasn't involved. I was raising children, I had a career, but I have been around since every president since FDR. I was a mere babe in arms at that time, but have distinct memories of um, that era and the world, world War II and my parents who were uh, products of the Great Depression and very, very much fans of FDR. And, and that, you know, being living in that atmosphere, you know, that like you absorbed because it was a very different time. And now it's an even more very different time. Well, let's ask Marla to tell us a little bit about, she just made a move to Tucson not too long ago uh, with her husband, Kali, and they chose Tucson. So Marla, what was so attractive to you about Tucson? Why make the move at this time to Tucson? Yes, it's very unusual for people of our era to make this large a move. Uh, there were several factors that were going on. A, 
Um, Salt Lake City's uh, winters are pretty harsh, and I took two falls on the ice last winter. Uh, my husband, who was very close to his sister, and, and he had always lived in Salt Lake and did not want to leave until she passed, which happened around the holidays last year. Arizona does not tax Social Security. State does not. That's a big advantage to someone of, of our era. Uh, and um, Utah is one of the most, uh, the Utah Valley is one of the most polluted in the United States. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, it's oh. a beautiful place surrounded by mountains and full of pollution. Uh, another thing is the politics. The politics are much more liberal here. I feel much, much more at home. Uh, I must say my husband uh, is a Republican. I'm a Democrat. We discuss politics occasionally, but not too much. Uh, when I was a candidate, he supported me beautifully. Uh, which is uh, which was wonderful, but that's why we're here. And so far, we've been here since May. I love the diversity, uh, the friendliness of the people, and the weather has not gotten to me at all. I think uh, day before yesterday, Friday was probably the first time I really was slightly uncomfortable. But I was outside. In fact, we visited Green Things. So. Oh, gosh, if you can survive this summer, which is historically the hottest we've had, you will love it here because it only gets better from this point on. It only gets better. So welcome to Tucson and welcome to Boom Goddess Radio. Thank you. We're thrilled to have you. We're looking forward to our second uh, half of the show as well. But let's get on with this first half. Um, Tell us about your own run for office and training as a candidate for Utah's fourth congressional district and how that led to your creating CAP, the Candidate Accountability Programs to support other candidates. Give us the story on that. Yes, I, uh, I uh, like many of us do, I think I decided to become a candidate, it was almost last minute and emotional once our current administration was elected. And I was just chagrined about many, many things, including the term um, uh, draining the swamp. To me, the swamp has been drained of middle Americans and uh, uh, filled by uh, others. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so I, when I became a candidate, I became very serious about the run. Uh, had never been a candidate for political office before. So I uh, took my training seriously and took two national trainings and any local training that I could. It was a fabulous experience, but once Ben McAdams emerged as a candidate, he had been a former state senator, he was the current mayor of the county, and I knew Ben uh, a little bit, and I knew that he was a much better candidate, and I withdrew. A, to, to support the better candidate and unite the party. Two of my opponents remained in the party up until the convention. And of course, when uh, Ben won, hand, hands down. And then we worked very hard to support his candidacy. He won by less than 700 votes. He's now up for re-election again. Wow. So it was a real cliffhanger. I became closer to Ben and his family, his wife and children. Uh, a, a fabulous experience. And also good friends with my opponents at the time. Wow, that's fantastic. A great role model. You know, in listening to you, there's a couple of things I just want to comment on because I'm very, very concerned about how we feel and how we think. Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the psyche. 
a, the psyche of a person who can live with a person of the opposite persuasion, whatever that is, whatever that boils down to, that is a testament to personal evolution. And, and that's something that we need to strive for. Otherwise, our boat is always going to be on the way to sinking. I mean, we really need to, as human beings, individuals, do exactly what you did in both the marital situation as well as what you're describing with Ben Adams. And that is, I just want to put a highlight around that. I want to shine the light on a person who is capable. It's not just what you do, it's who you are. Well, and, and also you mentioned, Andrew, the word balance earlier when we were preparing for, for this, right? So we know balance as far as eating well, staying healthy, those kind of balanced things, right? But our political scene in this country now today, it needs that balance. We can't exclude ideas on the left or the ideas on the right by uniting, by bringing balance to what it is that we as humans want to happen. That's how we're going to succeed. And that's why we're so passionate and almost like frenzied about getting people out to vote. Okay. Just get out and vote. Right. Not only that, but I think that our country works much better when we're in the middle. We're more united. I think that decisions are made that serve us much, much better. And this division is, is destroying us. Hopefully this next election will, and what's happening now, will bring us closer to the center. Maybe we'll swing a little more far to the left. Maybe we will, but eventually we need to come back to the middle. So I can- Let's talk about swinging to the left after our break. We're gonna take a short break and then we're gonna come back and talk politics. Welcome, everyone. This is B.B. Peters, and with me is Dr. Andrew Goldmarks and Jennifer Davis-Page. And today we're talking with Marla Mott-Smith on the very early portion of election season. And we were just talking to her about her run for a candidate in Utah. And now we'd like to move into the formation of what she created, which is called CAP, C-A-P, a Candidate Accountability Program to support other candidates. Marla, tell us how that evolved. What, what inspired you to, to create that? What is it? Uh, well, I think that the, expert, uh, the inspiration led from my uh, support of the congressman, helping him get elected. Plus, I made it a point to work in many other campaigns, door knocking, phone banking, anything that I could to help. So that gave me a window into how many campaigns operated. And uh, after, I think it was in about March, I woke up and said, wow, we need to do this. We need to support women candidates. Doesn't mean I don't like men and we may evolve to help men also, but it's women that where my, my passion lied. I'm the oldest of four daughters and uh, have worked in many uh, capacities with women and women have mentored me. So that's kind of what led to the inspiration for CAP. And why the name? A candidate accountability programs. Well, I've uh, 
uh, taken, I've done a lot of counseling in my life. And I think at this stage that um, the highest, one of the highest levels is accountability, A, to ourself and B, to what we say we're going to do and those around us. And I know it's hard to walk that line. I still have difficulty with it. But um, I think that accountability is trustworthiness, uh, love for yourself, love for others. So uh, I hope that helps. It's uh, a little difficult for me to articulate right now, but to me, kind of accountability is at the top of the list. And maybe being accountable, I think for myself, was withdrawing from the race when I did. And what do you do? What support do you offer through now, this? How do we do this? Well, we, we, we gather small groups. It's done via Zoom. Uh, no more than five in a group. Uh, to date, I've had two groups, all first-time candidates. And it's thrilling to see what has happened. I'm getting goosebumps. Oh, me too. <laughs> the candidates come into these groups, and they're all from Utah now. I hope to expand here into Arizona. Catherine, maybe you're my first victim. <laughs> and um, uh, they're going, oh, my gosh, I made this decision. How did I do it? Overwhelming Republican district, blah, 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 blah. And we grab hold and go from there and start the process, which I have broken down. I think in, in my outline, I say two, but it's really three. A, preparing. Preparation for preparing all what I call back end. Number two is front end. That's when you're out there meeting, greeting, doing whatever you need to do. The third is celebration. And you're celebrating regardless of how you did in the election. If you won, big celebration. In Utah, as a Democrat, if you hit 40-some percent or better, you've done a fabulous job. So that's kind of how I broke this down. I have a question. Yes. yes. Um, in terms of the psychology of yes. the people who select themselves, to be candidates or are selected by petition. Sometimes in certain states, that's another way to get on the ticket. What have you noticed about the psychology of the people, mostly women or all women? I'm dealing right now with all women. Uh, we okay. have guests. Right, so the psychology of the woman who says, I wanna do this and I wanna do this now. Describe a little bit about the, you know, the, the traits. The, yes, the traits yes. You know. Assertiveness doesn't mean that they're uh, not quiet women, but very strong, uh, willing to, the candidates that mature are willing to be coached. They're willing to listen. Um, they uh, have support of their families without family support or significant other support. It's almost impossible. They have a community around them where they start to develop a campaign. So does that help? Um, I don't know. Sure Are there, I, do they have specific ideas about things they'd like to see done or definitely. feelings about things they'd like to see resolved? Yes, definitely. They have a passion. And maybe more than one. And uh, so that passion can be a driver. Sometimes it's anger. And that's a driver also. In my experience and, and in, in looking at myself psychologically, anger will take me so far and then it burns out or it's not, it doesn't advance me. So harder. It's, it's anger. Marla, I don't mean to interrupt you. Uh, go sure. ahead. I have a question, but you go ahead with your thought. No, I think that that's it. I probably answered that question. Uh, go ahead, please. Um, tell me this. Um, 
Why do you think it's so important for women to hold political office? Well, I think that we need a balance in our government, for sure. Uh, we are standing, nurturing. We have empathy. Those are traits of women that maybe are not as strong in men. Uh, it advances the health of the population, fosters cooperation. I mean, look at just how we're interacting today. There's lots of cooperation. How many times have we been in situations that are dominated by men where maybe our voices aren't heard? And our caretaker role transfers to government. We want to nurture and take care of people. Let's nurture and take care of our government. Heaven knows we need much more than we, than we have going on there now. Uh, and I think that you've covered very well the numbers uh, uh, in the United States. But, you know, when you look at all of this, we have an average of maybe 20%, maybe a little bit more of women in government, um, starting from um, municipalities. Zero presidents. Maybe we'll get Kamala as things go along. That would be fabulous. Oh, it certainly would. It certainly would. Vision-wise, so the people who participate in this, whether they're coaching or they're, they're being coached as candidates, mm -hmm. there's something about being able to take oneself seriously with one's visions, one's desires, because aside from anger, it also gives us energy to yeah. be motivated, right? And so yeah. what's beautiful about what you're describing is the secret sauce is support. You know, not just names on a list, but people in a group, people who are also striving, people who've been there before. The mentoring that has to be going on that you're describing is, that's the special sauce that's critically important. Yes, definitely. And providing that. Yes, yes. So um, in what, I, what I have personally observed is that uh, you, there, you have to have a lot of humility. And I think that that is definitely missing. You also have to have a pretty big ego because you're going to take abuse uh, and you have to be able to handle that. You have to be, have strengths and confidence in yourself. There were times when I was a candidate that I just wanted to go in the closet, close the door and cry. That's what I wanted to do. I had um, been uh, victimized by right-wing men or who tried to victimize me. And I had a husband who would go and just take that pillow that I was clutching, pull it out of me and give me a big hug. Yeah. It just went such a long way to keep me in the game. And those are extraordinary things. It's extraordinary to have high quality support. And at some future time, I'd like to talk about how we engender high quality support because it's critical for all of us, regardless whether we're running for government or not. But that high quality support is the life, is, is the context around us that allows us to do. What sort of a reward, what sort of sense of satisfaction does a woman, since we're talking about mostly women in politics, what kind of satisfaction does the candidate get from the process? Not necessarily winning it, but just do the actual process. What happens to them? How do they transform? Oh, I think that uh, they transform in uh, confidence of themselves and what they can do. Even though they don't win, they have so much to offer. Like some of my candidates, I'm saying, you know, you have a future in the Democratic Party if you want to. I mean, in we look at... Um, 
many of the of the of the parties, uh, the structure of the parties from the county to state on up, and they're weak. They're not cohesive. They need leaders. Uh, now, I'm not saying they're all that way, but mm. I certainly see that. Um, and these these women or people who have run for office can take their skills and transform other organizations, not just politics. And that's that's the incredible thing. So that if you're learning Taekwondo, it doesn't mean you're going to go have a tournament, you know, with with um, fighting kind of thing. But what it does is it translates into the inner strength that's required to conquer any goal, you know? So that's another beauty part of this whole thing. And, and how about the financial aspect? How much do you need money? Do you need $1,000? Do you need $20,000 to begin this process? What's the financial aspect of it? That's a, that's a very good question. A lot of it will depend on the race you choose. If it's a school board race, local, not as much. It, and, it, and it kind of goes up, but it really helps to be prepared to do some self-funding. Now, what I did as a candidate was I gave my, and of course, so mine was on the federal level. There are a lot more uh, rules on that. Uh, I gave my campaign a loan, and then I started asking for money. That's the hardest thing for most people to do. Your friend, you start with friends and family. Well, you quickly um, find out who really loves you, right? <laughs> Who's really going to support you? And there's surprises in that. There are some surprises. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I expanded that. I had a, a very good business network. And uh, so I asked my business colleagues, and they were very generous to me. Uh, my husband was generous. Uh, when I withdrew, I had enough money in my account to pay all my bills and pay back my own partially, my, my loan to myself. It depends, too, on the state. If you're running for a state office, what the rules are. Um, and I'm not, I don't know the rules here in, uh, in Arizona yet. In uh, Utah, they're pretty lax. You have to report to the lieutenant governor who's in charge of elections, but it's not very rigorous. Can you just do a, a few seconds on 2020, please? You mean on Voterize? Yes, yes. Voterize. Voterize is an organization. I found out about it in Utah, but it is um, national. And uh, go, you can go to their website and become an ambassador. And your job as an ambassador is recruit 20 people to register to vote. Do you have their website address? I got the, uh, I have the t-shirt, the website address. The woman it, it, that is my contact is hope at voterize.org. And uh, it says, become a Voterize 2020 Challenge Ambassador. Um, so it's recruiting 1,000 women and allies as ambassadors to each commit to registering 20 women. Terrific. Of 20,000 potential female voters to give women a stronger voice with the issues. That's terrific. Marla, we want to thank you for giving us this valuable information. This is the end of, of the part one of this amazing segment, and we're going to start part two in just a few minutes. So our listeners, please stay tuned, and thank you for listening to Boom Goddess Radio, and we'll see you next week. Support for this program comes from AARP Arizona, whose mission for over 60 years has been to empower people to choose how we live as we age. 
For more information about AARP Arizona, go to www.aarp.org forward slash AZ. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.